1: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Hey, it's Michael Smirkanish. So here's a story from CBS News. Although it's been published everywhere, I have my choice of different outlets. Headline, it says, Biden taps former Senator Doug Jones as Sherpa to guide Supreme Court pick. And the lead of the story reads as follows. Former Democratic Senator Doug Jones of Alabama has been selected to guide President Biden's yet-to-be-named Supreme Court nominee through the confirmation process, a source familiar with the matter told CBS News. As the pick's so-called Sherpa, Jones will be responsible for escorting the eventual nominee to meetings with senators In preparation for confirmation hearings, typically Sherpas have a deep familiarity with how the Senate and the Senate Judiciary Committee work. Jones's selection was first reported by The New York Times. Jones isn't an unexpected choice. He served as a senator from Alabama from 2018 to 2021 and as U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Alabama from 1997 through 2001. Here's the the part that jumps out and reminds me. As a prosecutor, he won convictions against two members of the Ku Klux Klan for the deadly 1963 bombing of a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, exactly. And in the spring of 2019, I interviewed him uh, because he had just published a memoir called Bending Toward Justice. Well, that reminds me that this is a special edition of the Smirkanish podcast. Why? Because... In the spring of 2019, I interviewed Doug Jones when he had just released a new book called Bending Toward Justice, a memoir, actually, which was about his prosecution of the KKK members. And that author interview is just one of many, over 60 actually, uploaded so far interviews that you hear on my other podcast called Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. I'd love you to check it out. Three times a week, I post conversations with writers of books that I've read all the way from when I first started in radio 30 years ago. I'm sitting on this incredible, this treasure trove of recorded uh, interviews right up until the latest releases today. For example, Nelson DeMille, John McCain, Kitty Kelly, John Doerenbos, Harry Reid, Joe Namath, Hillary Clinton, Stevie Van Zandt, Phil Knight, what a carpool that would make, just to name a few, of my book club author interviews. So check it out. It's called Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, the podcast. You can find it right here on this platform. So subscribe and listen right after you hear this interview from March of 2019. Again, Alabama Senator Doug Jones on his book, Bending Toward Justice, the Birmingham Church Bombing that Changed the Course of Civil Rights. Thanks. Enjoy. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Doug Jones is a United States senator from the great state of Alabama. You probably think of him as the man who defeated Roy Moore in that highly contested election that drew national interest. Before then, however, he was a United States attorney and today is the author of Bending Toward Justice, the Birmingham church bombing that changed the course of the civil rights movement. The subject is the 1963 bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church. Four African-American girls were slain. One was seriously injured by a bomb placed by members of the KKK. Doug Jones successfully prosecuted two of those bombers. Senator, thanks so much for being here.
0: Michael, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate
1: it. I read the book. I was captivated by it. I think everyone will be, but particularly lawyers. And speaking of which, you got some good advice from Justice William O. Douglas. What was it?
0: I did. I wanted to be a trial lawyer. Justice Douglas, team to the University of Alabama, 1974, when I was in college. I had the privilege of spending the day with him. And I asked him, what advice would you give for, for a young lawyer that wants to be a trial lawyer? He said, go watch good trial lawyers. Go to courtrooms. Watch them. Don't mimic them. But watch a good, good trial lawyer apply his trade, and you will learn so much outside of the classroom. And that's exactly what I did. I had
1: a mentor uh, in similar respect on the civil side, the uh, late, great James E. Beasley. Yours was William Baxley, and you actually watched him in 1977.
0: Absolutely. I, that was the first of these church bombing cases. Baxley was then attorney general uh, for the state and prosecuted a guy named Cham, uh, Robert Chambliss, known as Dynamite Bob. And I had remembered what Justice Douglas said. And so as I was in law school in Birmingham, uh, I cut classes and went and watched that in the balcony and watched one of the most amazing trials and witnesses. But his bill's closing argument was absolutely incredible. And it's st- still with me today.
1: You were nine years old when the bombing itself occurred. I assume you, you don't have recollection uh, as a boy of when it occurred. But having read the book, Senator, this case has been a backdrop for your entire life.
0: Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. I, I don't have that particular recollection as a nine-year-old. Uh, but, you know, as we as you're growing up and and things change in your life and Schools are desegregated and you start working and you start living in a different way than the protected life I had as a young child. Uh, And then when the Baxley case came up, that's when it really we learned so much because, you know, candidly, I think Birmingham and the South really tried to push a lot of this, you know, sweep this backwards, put it out of everybody's memories for so, so long. And then the Baxley case just brought it home and we've been working at it ever since.
1: When you watched Baxley prosecute uh, Dynamite Bob Chambliss, could you have ever imagined as a law student that you'd go back into that courthouse and that you would prosecute two more of these guys?
0: Not in my wildest imagination, Michael. I mean, you know, you, you, you're there to learn and you're there, you're fascinated, you want to take everything that, you're with, that that's with you, and that case does stay with you. Uh, but when I learned, as I was about to become the United States Attorney, that this case had been reopened. Uh, I knew that there was something more. There was something that's, that was looking because this was going to be my case. This was going to be the case that we finally brought some, either some closure one way or another. We didn't know at the time whether we could get even indictment, much less convictions. But I knew it was the last chance. It was the last opportunity to right this wrong and to maybe to seek justice for the families uh, and for the city of Birmingham and for the state of Alabama.
1: You prosecuted Tommy Blanton 37 years, almost 38 years after the the bombing itself. Then finally you got Bobby Frank Cherry. Which was the more difficult conviction to win?
0: You know, it's hard to say. I think think the Blanton case was a little bit more difficult uh, in the sense that it was much more circumstantial until we were able to get uh, some tape recordings in. There was an informant named Mitch Burns. Who made a number of tape recordings that helped put the pieces of the puzzle together. And then at the last minute, we found an undercover tape, not an undercover tape. It was a, it was a bug that had been placed in the Blanton, um, a wall underneath the kitchen sink in the Blanton household. And therein, in that, in that tape, he admits being part of the group on three occasions on that tape. And his own voice admits part of the, being part of the group that made the bomb, planned the bomb, set the bomb. And that was extraordinary. And he was also talking to his wife, who was his then girlfriend at the time of the bombing, and she was his alibi. And it destroyed her alibi when she said she had lied to the FBI. That's what put it over the top for us uh, with Blanton. With Cherry, it was a lot different. He had made admissions over the years. We had family members or ex-family members that came in and testified, and it was his own mouth that got him in trouble bragging about this over the years.
1: Senator, when you delivered a closing argument in the Blanton case, and and again, just to to reset, you are prosecuting a former member of the Ku Klux Klan for a bombing incident in 1963 that took the lives of four innocent girls, badly injured, one more. But the subject of puzzles and puzzle pieces comes up, you responding to the defense attorney. Will you share that vignette?
0: Sure, we had talked about the pieces of the puzzle because we knew that the, that that you had to piece these things together. There was, except for that tape, there was nothing that really stood out except the small pieces that put together. And people over the course of the trial, I wasn't listening or watching into the into the media because I knew that they would have trouble. That they just wanted that that smoking gun kind of thing, and so I talked about that. And the defense lawyer, who was a former law partner of mine, did an incredible job. John Robbins um talked about that. And he said in his closing, and it was a very good analogy, that there were pieces of the puzzle and that puzzle, those missing pieces were reasonable doubt. And so in response, I came up and I said, you know, and I, I talked about my family a little bit because my mom and dad were in the audience. And I said, when I was growing up, there were, you know, I had puzzles. And my little sister often uh, lost some of those pieces. But when you put them all together, even though there were missing pieces, you knew who the picture was. You knew what was was there, and you knew it beyond a a reasonable doubt. And significantly, the other thing that the defense did is said, why now? Why are we looking at this now? Uh, What has changed? And that gave me a chance to, to, to ask the jury to look around the courtroom where there were black and white, young and old, male and female, all sitting together in that jury room, in the, in the, in the audience. And I said, we've changed. That's what's changed about this. We have changed uh, over the course of the last 37 or 38 years. And I do think that was a very, very significant part of being able to finally bring justice to these families in the, into Birmingham.
1: Senator Doug Jones from the great state of Alabama. The book is called Bending Toward Justice. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirkanish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4.
2: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice.
2: Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy
0: this place on a
2: cul-de-sac?
0: It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best.
2: Let's start with a neighborhood analysis.
1: I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here.
0: REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study, each office independently owned and operated.
1: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Senator Doug Jones exhibited one of the real skills of an effective trial lawyer in your ability to quickly think on your feet and take that puzzle argument and use it to your advantage. But I have to say, I loved when a (laughs) colleague of yours then points out that you kind of missed something.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I will never live that down, because one of the key (laughs) pieces of of the evidence that we had was a photograph. There is this beautiful stained glass window in uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church depicting Christ. Um, And on that Sunday morning, the most significant damage uh, was the face of Jesus, and that had incredible meaning for that community, for that church community, for people of faith in general. And those photographs are still displayed, and we used it. And so we're leaving, uh, going to lunch, and I'm feeling pretty good because I've had all these people pat me on the back, telling me what a great job I did. I actually started believing it uh, for a little bit. And then my buddy, Jeff Wallace, who was one of the prosecutors along with Robert Posey, said, Doug, well, you know, that was a, a really great argument, but I, I, I was disappointed you just didn't really hit the home run. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, your puzzle response was great, but I was hoping that you would throw up that picture of the stained glass window and say, Tommy Blanton blew out the most important piece of this puzzle, uh, of this stained glass window, but everybody knows who that who that is. And I just literally, Michael, fell to my knees in a park right. and just said, oh, my God, <laughs> how, how did I miss the greatest closing argument in, in in legal history?
1: Uh, hey, speaking of the photos, the, the photos in the book, are stunning and when i looked at them i said to myself it's amazing there weren't more victims from the 16th street bombing
0: no question no question there were there were lucky there were more there were not more people in that ladies lounge uh, and you know there was one survivor sarah who was the sister of atty bay uh, collins um, if people had been on the sidewalk literally outside that window and those steps uh, there would have been more uh, damage there. It was about powerful blast, and there was we were very fortunate. There were not more people um, that were either killed or very seriously injured. Fortunately, the rest of the injuries were some, you know, they weren't were not very serious at all. Now I won't say superficial, but they certainly weren't serious
1: senator i 'm not giving away the whole book for free, but i I, I want to ask about the <laughs> FBI because there's a there's a, a thread that runs through the entire book where I found myself saying man how how on board was the FBI really to wrap this up? Hoover closed it after four years you're convinced he really did want to get to the bottom of it. Is that fair
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair, and certainly the FBI agents that were on the ground what we call the boots on the ground, they did an amazing job, and without them. We couldn't have made our case. And I am absolutely convinced that that Hoover wanted to get this done, not because he was a friend of the movement by any stretch, but he was a bureau guy. And there were teletypes and things we've seen where he constantly was saying that the, the reputation of the bureau is at stake. Um, I criticized Hoover for closing the case his himself and not talking to the uh, prosecutors, the the U.S. attorney's office. But the fact of the matter is, he was correct to do it. I don't think they could have ever gotten a conviction in Birmingham, Alabama, on the strength of the evidence that they had at the time. And, it, and there is no statute of limitations uh, in state court for murder, which gave us a chance to move this case from federal court over to state court and to try these guys for murder rather than a civil rights violation.
1: But then you send your investigator, uh, Bob Eddy, out to to try and and learn what the FBI had in its files and the, the the words my wife and I used with our kids is you know don't make me play ask the magic question just tell me yeah. and they made him well, play now, ask was, the magic question
0: yeah that was back in the seventies Michael that was not me by the time I got there I was oh that was know, Baxley's was pres- guy yeah pres- that, that was Baxley's guy and Bob helped okay. us was amazing but back in the seventies that's exactly the attitude that they said, you ask us and we'll try to give you the information. And I don't, you know, I I think it's easy to criticize them. But in those days, you got to remember, they didn't know Bill Baxley. He was a young uh, attorney general. But George Wallace was still the governor of Alabama at the time. And so I think that there was a reluctance to turn that over to the state of Alabama. I think there was also a, a reluctance to turn over informant information. And fortunately, I was a presidentially appointed United States attorney. I had the opportunity to say, no, this is the way we're going to do it, and this is what I want to see. And they had I had incredible support in my, uh, in my cases, absolutely phenomenal support, all the way from Janet Reno, the attorney general, to Bill Pryor, the Alabama attorney general, uh, and Louis Free, the FBI Director,
1: one final question by the way, our guest is Senator Doug Jones from the Great state of Alabama. The book is called "Bending Toward Justice." There's a link in my Twitter feed to everything you need to know about the book. You go and visit on multiple occasions with one of the KKK members that you put away for this bombing because you want him to to come clean and tell the full story. Here's my final question: What what is the one thing you'd most like to know from Blanton?
0: I'd like to know the details of who, what, where, and when. We we can put the pieces of the puzzle to conv- together to convince these people beyond a reasonable doubt, to convince a jury that these guys were guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But it's the de- those details, and significantly, with that, is I want to hear someone apologize to say, "We're I'm sorry," that that. There is so much that I think that we need to do with reconciliation and redemption that only that acceptance of responsibility uh, and, and, and an apology can, can accomplish. I can't do that. I can just bring them to justice. But the true reconciliations come from those that were involved. And I don't know if we'll ever see that. Uh, Cherry died in prison. My guess is so will Blanton.
1: Hey, Godspeed to uh, the folks of the great state of Alabama today dealing with the aftermath of that storm.
0: Thank you, Michael. It's a it's a tough time. We've had some real tragedies with tornadoes over the over the years. Uh, this one is very serious. I'm going to try to get back down there. We were traveling yesterday when all this happened, and I'm going to try to get back down there uh, this week. Uh, but we got some amazing first responders, and I know they're taking care of that community.
1: Books a winner. I learned things. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michael.
1: Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel
0: 124. Live
2: weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app.
0: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.
1: Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays.